Hi, this is Dave Story from Bartlett Tree Experts. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. You know, I've come to realize now that there are things that I buy. I wait for them to rot. Then I buy them again. They're called vegetables. And the bottom of the fridge, they have that crisper. Crisp? What does this make crisp? Have you ever put anything that comes out crisper? They should call that the rotter because that's what's happening. Everything you put in completely rotten. You put it in, close it, open it. And every month or two, you go on carrot celery patrol. See if the stuff is limp enough to throw away yet. Take out a piece of celery. Nope, not yet. I'm not going to eat you, but I'm not going to throw you away either. I'm going to suck every ounce of life out of you, baby. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will. Good planets are hard to find. Good planets. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com and buy Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. It got quiet all of a sudden. Hello. Well, the mics were live and we said nothing, so that happens. All right. Welcome to the show, and I'm going to play this just because... I can. Alan! 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 Al! Alan! And the reason, only reason I'm playing this is that I load it every week, uh, and then I never play it. And I, because I, I can never figure out a place where that should go into the show. <laughs> so I thought, you know what, let's just play it at the outset, and uh, and and then I've had it, and you know, and, and and I can also play this. All right, so I did that. We didn't even tell a joke, but we just. There you go. Maybe Plus, the show. Maybe the show is a joke. And look at look. And we've got Randall at the board. So Randall's of course we're back. playing Alan. Alan. <laughs> That's right. We have to play that for a Randall. Alan. 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 We need one that says Alan, Randall. Alan, Randall. Al. Alan. Randall. <laughs> Quick, uh, he's running for the door. <laughs> oh, and uh, and here's Ellie doing the social media. See, because we have the social media king and queen right here in the studio with us. They are also the vegetable king and queen. Um, and they are the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener right here in studio. And you guys actually came down from Milwaukee to be here with us. It's such uh, an honor because uh, I remember before, you were probably listening last weekend because you told us in the past, no, nah, we, we don't travel. We, do, we don't go to other stations. And <laughs> that's, stuff. that's Joey. 
that's Joey? Mm-hmm. You would do it anytime. Yeah, right? anytime. Right, Holly? I, w- I would take off work to do it. Uh, uh, good. <laughs> all right, we're going to have you do it on a Tuesday, all right? Okay. That's Holly Baird. Uh, the guy on the other side who hasn't said anything yet is Joey Baird. You can say hello. Hello, Mike. Okay. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so glad she dragged you down mm-hmm. here. And we're going to talk vegetables today, even though it's still winter. And uh, it's ba- barely the end of February, and uh, but you got stuff going already, so we will get to that in a second. So just hang tight. A um, couple of things before we, we do that. I'm going to go over here. For those of you watching on Facebook Live. At the Mike Novak so Show. We were, we were going to set this up on a tripod, but there's no backing for it. But this is our banner that uh, I didn't actually steal. No. From from uh, Wild Things, they gave it to us, but let's put it there where you can see the logo. And we were at Wild Things yesterday, and they had these wonderful banners, <laughs> and they were all <laughs> over the place. And people kept coming up to me and going, "You're you're fancy. You're you're one of the major sponsors of this, you know." And they, and I think they figured I put tons and tons of cash into this. Uh, but basically, it was tons and tons of social media and <laughs> interviews and things yeah. like that. And then we did, we, you and I did a couple of interviews yesterday. That you can see up on the Mike Novak Show on Facebook. Right. And uh, they're doing pretty well. Yeah. So it was a, an amazing, more than 2,000 people out there. Huge. Unbelievable crowd uh, out at uh, the Donald E. Stevens Center in Rosemont. And it's the first time that mm-hmm. they were there. So, And, and the thing about the, that Wild Things is they do it every other year so now they go into hibernation and then they <laughs> and then if they see their shadow in 2020 i think they're all recovering today after well they had the very busy day they had the uh, the drink fest afterward that you and i couldn't even be part of because uh you know i had to go home and put this show together so uh thank you to the wonderful folks at uh, wild things and and when we saw the poster, I said, yeah. uh, can, can I, can can I get have, one of those, can please? I ha-? And he said, I got three extra here, so here you go. So we're going to do something with yeah. that. So, so it's just, just a fabulous, fabulous event. If, if uh, anybody listening can plan ahead for two years from now, you definitely want to go to the next Wild uh, yeah, Things. Like I said, if they see their shadow in 2020, then they do the event in 2021. It's, it's much slower than the Groundhog. It's kind of the same thing. All right, stand by for vegetables. You can always call us at 877-711-5611 which is the phone number uh, if you're listening to us live. Oh, and we have uh, uh, a new station to add, and we'll tell you about that Mm -hmm. when we come back as well. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We have the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener in the house. This is Peggy Malecki, and guess what time it is? It's time to start working on your spring garden indoors. The way to do that is with some seeds in your Happy Leaf Advanced LED Grow Lights. Your seedlings will grow bigger, faster, and better thanks to their proprietary technology. 50,000-plus-hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA-made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases over $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. Your veggies will thank you. 
Celebrate local, sustainable, humane, and fair food at the 15th Annual Good Food Expo. Connect with Midwest farmers and producers in the Good Food Marketplace. Learn from chefs like Erling Wu Bauer and Joe Flam. And eat delicious food in the Good Food Court. Entry is free with online registration. The Good Food Commons is back, as is Test Your Soil. Good Food happens Saturday, March 23rd at the UIC Forum in Chicago. Go to goodfoodexpo.org. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. You can enjoy fresh local food all winter long at Indoor Farmers Markets, hosted by different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April 6th. Your purchase of sustainably produced food helps support regional farm families. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of all faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule, go to faithinplace.org. start dancing shortly it's uh this is really cool uh one of our friends of the show audrey fisher sent this to me uh we're actually trying to figure out if we can do a live remote down at the uh wild blossom meadery and winery on the south side of chicago which would would be be very cool yeah and so since that's a bee theme she sent me this youtube which is the flight of the bumblebee done by a group called the lost fingers (laughs) <laughs> and they're all, you got to see them, they're in bee suits, and they're out among the bees playing this. Now, they probably did this in the studio, but they're just doing this. Uh, and you can see they got the bee helmets on and masks, and there's a two guitars and a bass. And you can hear the bees. Well, that got some applause on Facebook. Yay, I like it. And uh, there's a couple of guitars and a bass and a fiddle. Uh, I like that. We're, we're going to play that again. So uh, feel free, folks, to send me your music, uh, Mike at MikeNovak.net, and I'll try to play it. And as long as Sony doesn't yank it while we're trying to play, that that would be great. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. Now, the other thing, uh, before we get to the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, um, and we'll get to you guys eventually. It might be a couple of days, uh, but the, we'll, we'll just bring you on to the show. Uh, we have a new station uh, that we're part of. It's uh, WRWO 94.5 FM, Ottawa Community Radio. We rock with opportunity. All right. And I want to thank the folks there. This is the very first show they're hearing uh, at WRWO. Uh, Ottawa is uh, south of Chicago, so it's uh, um, not quite central Illinois. What was the the call? It's uh, 94.5 FM. 
And uh, so the re- and I'm mentioning it today because you get the show on, on a, a delay basis. So this is a week later than the original show. And this the same goes for people who hear us like in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota and State College, Pennsylvania and Las Vegas. You usually get that about a week later, just so you know. If you want to listen to us live, you can do that every Sunday morning, 9 to 11 Central. And you can go to MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net, and stream us live on the Gab Radio Network um, and on my website. Or you can watch us live with, uh, why do we have that sign up there? Okay, we got Facebook. Did we go off of Facebook? Or we do, oh. No, no. It's a, the watch party has been set up. Oh, well, that's cool. Uh, so we're, we're trying, we're experimenting with Facebook today too. We always go live on Facebook. We're trying to watch party because Ron Calgill from Mighty House Home Improvement Who is Radio, watching, by the way. He, he accidentally stumbled onto it yesterday. And you know, when Ron stumbles onto it, 17,000 people pay attention. Then we spend the rest of our natural lives trying to do what he did by accident. And it doesn't work that way. So, and he says, right, right. Okay. So anyway, welcome to WRWO. Uh, in Ottawa, Illinois, we're happy to have you also on uh, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki a week later. So there you Anybody go. Anybody else we need to announce? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Let's uh, let's get let's get into to growing stuff with uh, Holly and Joey Baird. So let's tell folks about the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. They can go to the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, and it is singular. dot uh, com. Um, and find out about you. You guys, the difference between our radio shows, because you have a radio show in Milwaukee and other places, and I'll let you tell folks about it, but you're you're a seasonal show. You go from basically March to October. Right, right. Beca- we, because there's all. nobody that we, when you're talking vegetables, there's nobody that's wanting to talk vegetables the week before Christmas or New Year's Day. Well, what about what about those uh, those vegetables stored in the root cellar? I guess that you can only do that so many times, right? Yeah, there's only so many topics you can cover there at a certain point. But, yeah, we do it seasonal, 35 weeks a year, March uh-huh. through October, uh, on WNOV 860 AM in Milwaukee and 106.5. And then this year we picked up WWDB 860 AM out of Philadelphia and WAAM 1600 out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Now, see, I I should be the Wham Radio, right? Yeah. And we talked about that because I I went to school at Ann Arbor and occasionally used to listen to Wham Radio back in the day. So we picked up Wham really late, but yeah. we're excited to uh, to well, be good. on it. I'm great. I think that's fantastic. And, and of course, you can listen online too. And you and you do gazillions of videos, how-to videos. That's the difference between you and and me. Is that uh, you do the how-to videos? I, my feeling is, ah, I'll let people like you do the how-to videos. <laughs> yeah, there's about thirteen hundred on the website, as well as the in-studio videos of the radio show. Thirteen? You've done thirteen hundred yeah. videos? Yeah. Oh wow. my goodness! Aren't you aren't you tired now? Well, that was over what seven years? Seven eight years. Yeah. 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 And then with with the radio show, you get the full full in studio video, and then you get each segment individually. So that's five videos a week that uh-huh. you're getting there. So it it adds up quite quickly when you do thirty five shows times five uh, each year. <laughs> so uh, what what are you doing now? When's your first show uh, of the new season? This Saturday. Oh, it is this Saturday, yep. March second. Yep. Well, yep. No wonder he, they're on the show today. <laughs> I had no idea. Your PR people are really good. 
Oh, wait, you are <laughs> yeah, you we, are the PR people. We, we are everything. <laughs> I know you are. You know, and that's part of the deal when you're a small radio show, show often you do it all yourself. You're doing all, and you guys are really good at social media. Which is good because we have complete control over everything. We don't have somebody, an ad agency buying ads with a company that we don't we don't believe in, don't use their products, and don't believe that, that our listeners should just to get their money either. Uh, we're, we're all self-funded, uh, which is a 24-7 job, but mm-hmm. it's worth it because we have that control. So, Holly, I have to ask, uh, does that mean that Joey's a control freak? Um, he's not. <laughs> he's not a control freak, but he is. Uh, he's he keeps everything in line. He does a really good job with that. Um, that's basically his full time job. So, and then I work full time, and then I come home and I help him pick up whatever's left, and, and that's how it goes. <laughs> uh, but he he, I'll come home and he'll be like, okay, we're gonna do this, this, and this. It should take this amount of time. And, it's great to have somebody yeah. who just spend all the time working on the radio mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and uh, and then uh, have somebody who's going to make sure there's money in the bank, too. Right. right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's good, too. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's the radio model is make sure you got a day job someplace. At, uh, <laughs> that's that's the radio model in the 21st century. So you you wrote to me and, and you, you talked about a, a number of things that are, are going on right now and that we could talk about, like seed starting indoors. Now, we did that uh, several weeks ago with uh, Lisa Hilkenberg from the Chicago Botanic Garden and uh, I know I've seen your garden, or at least one of your gardens, because mm-hmm. I know you got a couple. Um, you don't grow fifty thousand vegetables the way that that she does. No, <laughs> but you grow a lot, and uh, and you try a lot of different things, don't you? You're, so I imagine you're experimenting all the time. So what's new for 2019 that you're going to be experimenting with? I don't know if we have anything the new. Spin- oh, the, the Malabar spin- spinach—that's what's new. So yes, Malabar spinach. I want to grow Malabar spinach, yeah, so you got to tell me about this. It's supposed to be just a, a prolific plant. It's supposed to be super delicious and nutrient-packed. What else do you know about oh, it's it? It's more heat tolerant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's more heat tolerant. That's the yeah, other thing. Rather than the regular spinach, it's, it's more much more vertical. Vertical. Yeah. You can trellis it. It's a, tra- vine. It's a, it's yeah. a vine, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know about Malabar from our friends at Happy Leaf LED mm-hmm. Grow Lights. And I went over to their place, and they they were growing it indoors. And they had like a five-foot-tall plant that they had done completely from their grow lights mm-hmm. indoors. It was in soil, so it wasn't hydroponic. It was in soil, but they had used the Happy Leaf LED to grow it. And what a beautiful plant. And they harvested some leaves. Here, try this. Yeah. I'm like, that's spinach, all right. It sure tastes like it. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the Happy Leaf. We've used grow lights. There's nothing that compares to what the happy leaf can do. Uh, the, the light spectrum, the, the uh, footprint that it provides, and over with a tube light, you lose intensity over time. Every year or two years, you have to replace the tubes. Happy leaf, you don't lose that intensity. 50,000 hours, that's five and 5.1 years of continuous use if you was to do that. You don't lose the intensity, and it's we've been using it for five years now, and if, we, if something would have went wrong or we would have found it to be gimmicky, uh, we would have found it in five years, and there's mm-hmm. nothing about Happy Leaf that's gimmicky. Victor is the owner; he's the inventor. He understands the science behind the light spectrum. It's really, really a unique grow light. Uh, Randall, flag that tape, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's we need that testimonial. <laughs> that that testimonial. I think you just recorded a commercial for Happy Leaf grow lights, and uh, we're going to let uh, well, v- Victor and Polly know about. And that, that goes back to what Joe was just saying. We have the control, so we can. Pick up sponsors like Happy Leaf, where they have an amazing product and they're a great smaller company, as opposed to 
maybe some other larger company that, that is we not don't, so great. Yeah, not so great that we don't believe in, but we know they have the money. That's mm-hmm. not how we operate our, our business. We have to use it, and it has to work in order for us to have faith in the product in order to tell people about it. Well, and I know about that because I have seen you go online and say, you know, we tried this. This doesn't work, so we're moving on here. You're you're pretty brutal about it. You're on, Let me say honest. You're very honest about it because you have a lot of people who – who rely on you, who trust mm-hmm. you, and and that's you can't buy trust. You no. really have and to. And you cannot rebuild a re- we, reputation yeah. either. We, we built our audience and our following very organically, and we want to keep that integrity with them. So when we mess up, we let people know. We admit that this is why it happened, and and this is why, and we apologize, and we're you know we're learning from our mistake. Uh, sure. Yeah. And, 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 uh, that's, that's great. And you say you build your audience organically, but you also use organic techniques yes. in, the, in the garden. So there's a play on <laughs> words there. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Malabar is new, going to be new this year. Where are you going to grow that in the garden? You're going to, you're going to put it near a trellis or near a fence or what? What do you, how we're going to, we're going to trellis it. We're going to get it uh, started from, we're going to start it from seed outside. I don't think we're going to start it indoors and transplant it out. Uh, we'll just direct sow it. And we'll put it is, this, to it. is it one of those plants that likes to be direct sown? Do you know? I, well, it, we haven't done a whole lot of studies on it. If it's like any traditional spinach, we just would much rather direct sow it, yeah. and it'd it's... be quicker and less space inside. Um, when starting seeds, you can start almost you can start a lot of seeds indoors. But the problem is, for example, if you take a cucumber, start it indoors two weeks before your you plant it outside, and you take that seedling, plant it outside with the seed, direct sow it. Four weeks are going to be the same size. So you're wasting time inside starting it, <laughs> taking up space and energy and watering, and yeah. you just direct sow it. Yeah, well, and, and that's one of the things we talked about with Lisa when she was on the show is that it's an interesting thing that some some plants want to be sown directly outside. Some plants do not. You don't, like a, like a tomato or a pepper. You really need to get those started. Not necessarily. Holly grew how, tell <laughs> really? us. Yeah. So, yeah, I grew, oh, okay. I grew up um, in, in a very small plot in Milwaukee. And we just, every Memorial Day, we sowed our seeds, whether it was tomatoes or peppers or zucchini, mm-hmm. just right in the ground. Really? Yep. Wow. And then by, we always had tomatoes by August, so um, it, it worked out fine for us. Well, I want my tomatoes by June 4th, <laughs> all right? No, that's, well, see, now, there you go. I, it, it's, it's not recommended, the, but no, it does work. Right. How, yeah. I mean, we, I, I didn't know seed starts were a thing until I met Joey. I was like, what? Uh, what are you doing? Really? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's so interesting. Yep. And please don't start carrots inside. No. <laughs> we see so many pictures of people who have started or tries to start start carrots inside. Don't do it. Don't do it. It doesn't work. Any root vegetable, excluding leeks, onions, and beets, don't start them inside. Right. I was going to say beets because yeah. I've bought beets mm-hmm. in little packs and put those outdoors. But you're right. It's carrots. Well, the thing about carrots, okay, maybe you can give some some advice on carrots because... Carrots are tiny seeds, and then they produce tiny plants. And the thing about carrots is you have to keep them hydrated until they germinate. And sometimes you lose them because you're not paying attention, and they don't get hydrated, and then they don't germinate, and then you don't have carrots, uh, or they're uneven, or you don't, you know. So, what is your trick for that? So we we put them in a raised bed, good mm-hmm. compost. We sow the seed, and then we watered watered in good, and then we put a piece of cardboard over top of that raised bed hold it down with rocks and allow the seeds to germinate. It usually takes 14, 21 days. Raise the cardboard up. If you see the seeds all germinated, go ahead and remove the cardboard. You'll increase your 
likelihood, your germination by 80% because wow. that cardboard is holding the moisture next to the seed. And that's what the problem is. If you don't have any type of barrier, the soil dries out, the seed dries out, and you have about 20% germination rate on your uh, carrots. If you're doing it in a row, if you've got really loose, loomy soil, you can put a 2x4, 2x8 over it. If you forget to remove it and it's like 30 days later, go ahead and remove it. It's okay. The seeds are still thinking it's underground trying to push up, and you'll remove the board or cardboard, and you'll be perfectly fine. So you don't get that situation. And, and by the way, I've heard this uh, with newspapers, some people. And do you wet the cardboard or do you? No. You we, don't even we, bother we, with we that. Water, water the, the, the soil. The soil. So mm-hmm. then, then the cardboard holds the moisture in. But uh, you don't worry about the fact that you're going to pull the cardboard off and you have all these yellow leaf nope. tops on there. Because they'll, they'll recover very quickly, yeah, right? They, that they, th- they think they're under still under soil. They'll recover in a couple of days and you'll be perfectly fine. Well, there you go. There's your tip of the week, folks, uh, from uh, Joey Baird, uh, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. Is there another plant? What what other plant would you not sow? You mentioned a couple that you wouldn't sow indoors. Beans, corn, just direct sow those. You see a lot of people. Well, yeah, that because want to... well, the beans are the, the 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 seeds are so large, right? The, and and they germinate. Yes, mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. it's like jack of the beans. You right. just want to throw that in your yard. Radishes. People try to do radishes. They, they take thirty <laughs> days. Don't direct. Don't sow them indoors. Just put <laughs> no. them outside. By the time you plant them yes. outdoors, they're practically ready to go. And it's a root crop, and you're going to damage the roots of it by transplanting it. So don't even try. Uh, 30 days, 20, 18 to 30 days, you're going to have radishes. So don't worry about that. Yeah. But you can, you can if you want, beets, but you might as well sow those outside, yes. too. But you have to thin them in order to get beets. If you don't thin them, they're cluster seeds. So if you don't thin them, you're going to have very small roots, and then you're just going to have leaf green. So... A cluster Which contain- is not bad either. No, the, the a, cluster, a cluster contains three to five seeds. You want to wean them out. Use snips. Don't pull them because you're going to pull the whole plant out down to one per every six to eight inches, and you're good to go. Yeah, but you're, if, you're, if you're like me, you just hate killing any plant <laughs> yeah. at all. It's like, yeah. uh, so you had a problem with that too, Peggy, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got us... Snip the weak and keep the strong. Only but the strong. But it might be okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about onions when we come back. There's information that people need to know about those too. This guy's running the radio show now. So <laughs> when we come that's back, what's going to happen? Uh, yeah, we'll just go to breakfast. <laughs> we're going to put him right here. All right, that's Joey Baird with Holly Baird, the Wisconsin vegetable gardener. We have more about early season vegetables coming right up. If spring is right around the corner, so is the Chicago Flower and Garden Show at Navy Pier. From March 20 through 24th, the world of literature springs to life at Flower Tales. The story grows on. There are display gardens, culinary demonstrations, kids' activities, potting parties with William Moss, the garden boss, even craft beer tasting and nightly live music. It's all designed to educate, inspire, and motivate the next generation of gardeners. Once again, we're broadcasting live on Sunday morning. Go to chicagoflower.com. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Ask yourself, if you built a van for your business, where would you start? At the beginning, of course, with the people who invented the work van over 100 years ago, Mercedes-Benz. You'd give your new Mercedes-Benz Sprinter advanced technology and safety to keep you connected and protected. 
You'd make it available in diesel and gas, and there would be thousands of configurations and upfits to choose from. You build it right here in the USA because your one-of-a-kind business deserves nothing less than a van that's built for you. Introducing the all-new Mercedes-Benz Sprinter, the safest, most innovative Sprinter yet, starting at just $33,790. Built for you, the all-new Sprinter, built in the USA. Mercedes-Benz, vans, born to run. MSRP excludes all options, taxes, title, registration, transportation, charge, and dealer prep fee. Options, model availability, and actual dealer price may vary. See dealer for details about costs and terms. Equipment described as optional. 2019 Mercedes-Benz Printer. Available soon. All right, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Had to play that <laughs> since we're talking uh, about vegetable growing. That's the uh, You Name It Challenge based on uh, Shirley Caesar's uh, um, preaching about uh, vegetables. And we'll get back to Joey and Holly Baird, the Wisconsin vegetable gardener, in just a second. However, got a minute for your trees. Bartlett Tree Experts has some advice. This has been an interesting winter with brutally cold days followed by warmer days and followed by ice and snow, a little bit of everything. I've been asked if the cold temperatures killed emerald ash borer, sometimes known as EAB, so there's no need to treat for this devastating insect in 2019. Well, folks, it's not that simple. Uh, EAB survives in Canada where temperatures are a lot colder for more days than we have here in the Midwest. Additionally, EAB fully grown larvae spend the winter folded inside a small pupation cell constructed in the outer sapwood or outer bark of your tree. Younger larvae spend the winter in feeding galleries in the phloem and outer sapwood. And now a little scientific here, but I'm just letting you know what's going on. And they may feed another summer before reaching the adult stage, spending the winter in the tree adds insulation against the extreme cold. So the short answer is don't count on it. Uh, You're going to probably have to deal with EAB, and they're going to survive elsewhere, and they're here to stay. Whether the weather is weather the weather, yeah, you got to like that. Weather the weather? Weather the weather is rain, snow, ice, or wind, or emerald ash borer. Every tree needs a champion. You can find out more by going to Bartlett dot com b a r t l e t t dot com proud sponsor of the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Back to vegetable gardening with uh, the Wisconsin vegetable gardener uh, Joey and Holly Bear. Do you worry about having to change the name? Put add an S on there because there's two of you. No, no we're not <laughs> changing changing the name. No. We're not changing it now. Okay. No. <laughs> Yeah, it's all about the marketing yeah. and the branding. You know how that is. Well, we have two questions on Facebook so Oh, far. let's go for it. So one goes back to what we were just talking about with carrots and putting some cardboard down on the soil. And this is from Wendy. She wants to know if the cardboard is actually making contact with the soil. Yeah, we're putting the cardboard directly on the soil using some rocks or stones to to, to hold it down. And then once the seeds germinate, then we want to remove that rocks 
and then take the cardboard completely off. But the cardboard is setting on the soil level. If oh. you don't want to use cardboard, you can use some old like wood. That's fine, like a mm-hmm. four two, by two by four, two by four, yeah. two by four mm-hmm. along the rows. That's fine too. Wow. Untreated. Un, un, mm-hmm. Well, tre- now we would recommend untreated, but the treated now doesn't have the arsenic that it did twenty years ago. It's got a copper uh, mm. pressure treated, but uh, still we would put, prefer red cedar, western red cedar, or untreated lumber, uh, best for soil contact. Yeah, uh, got another question. You got two. Uh, there's another question from Emily who's asking about what she said, what to do with dewy mildew, which I'm presuming is pottery mildew. Sure. For powdery mildew, one thing you want to do is definitely make sure your plants are planted space far enough apart so that that helps prevent it initially. But then also, and, that, and, that, and that's the key. It's like stop it before it happens. Mm-hmm. And so if yeah. you've got the air circulation, because once you have it, it's going to spread eventually. Uh, and there are sprays you can use, antifungal things. But if you don't want to go down that route just stop it from happening. And in some seasons, there's not much you can do anyway. No, some seasons, if if you have a really high, humid summer, just that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. But you can use, we've used things like diluted milk, uh, mouthwash, even baking soda to spray it to help slow it down. It doesn't stop it completely, but it will help slow it down. It, it breaks up that mildew and allows the plant to photosynthesize. And if you only have a small amount, you can remove up to 25% of the foliage on the plant. Here's the key. When you remove it, be sure you're careful of taking yes. it through the garden because the spores will fall on other plants. They will attach to your hands or your gloves. And then when you touch something, mm. you're going to introduce it into that portion of the area if you're working on to the plant that's next to it that doesn't have it. So you want to be careful of that as well. And throw, throw it away. Just don't compost it. People say you can compost right. it. Throw it away. No. Right. Get it out. And, I, and I've done that in my yard. And, and you know, and, you, and, and I'm holding it like mm-hmm. this and just <laughs> moving, going, okay, let's just drop that in the garbage. Open the garbage because I don't want to cause any, any of the spores to fall <laughs> yep. off onto anything. And so you just get it out of there as, as quickly as you can. Now, uh, let's go back to that, those treatments. Now, not necessarily... Uh, Illinois Extension approved, but what were the some of the products you they're, used? They're, Joe, Joe, yeah. Joe they're actually Joe Lample's um, <laughs> Oh, Joe, well, Joe Lample says so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works, right? <laughs> so we've used milk, uh, mouthwash, I think vinegar was one, and then also baking soda. So there's usually like a component, some sort of component of acid. Otherwise, I don't know why the milk works, but it, it worked for us, so. Who knows? Not just milk. But no, you, as you part dilute of a, it. Yeah. So with, I think it so, was like so, one part milk, two parts water. Uh-huh. And then what you do is you mix it up and then you spray it both sides of the leaves. If and you, then if you put the vinegar in with the milk, it's going to curdle. I know that. Yeah. So I know this that would all be like separate. Grade. Yeah. This would all be like separate, separate things. That's how you make like really uh, easy buttermilk is by adding vinegar to milk. If you have a recipe that requires buttermilk, you don't have buttermilk. That's like what you would do. But anyway. So you just do this separate. So you wouldn't mix like bake, baking soda, milk, and mouthwash. These are just different things that you would do separately diluted. So you, if you don't have one thing on hand, you could try the other thing. All right. You teased the onions, uh, Joy. Uh, what, and, and, and I think this is really great advice because as you point out, there's different kinds of onions. I think a lot of folks are unaware of that. And especially if you're new to gardening, you want to know this. So what's the skinny on that? Sure. So onions. Oh, so you got a point. <laughs> oh, he just points at Holly. Take care of it. Okay. So onions. Not a lot of people know this, and this is becoming more too light now. A lot of the people who sell the onion seeds are putting this on the packaging or on 
the website or the catalog. And, and it used to not be. When we talk about this, it used to be you had to know what variety fell in this categories of your region, but now it's actually labeled. Right. So there's short day, midday, and long day. So where we are in Chicago, if you're basically in the United States, kind of above like the middle of the United States, so like Springfield or North in okay, Illinois, sure. you would want to grow what's called long day because during the summer, during the peak of the summer, we have the most amount of sunlight. Okay. If you're in the middle part of the United States, then you grow midday or neutral day. And then if you're in the south, it's short day. They're daylight sensitive. If you do try to grow a long day in the short day area or a short day in the long day, you'll get greens, but very little to no bulb development. So if you hmm. are having issues growing onions, it could be because you're not growing the correct kind for where you are. No. So some, some, long, some long day are ruby red. What's that yellow one? Spanish. Spanish, Spanish, Spanish yellow. Yeah, yeah. And then... What's the white one? White Spanish. Is it white I, white Spanish or so. white globe or something? Yes. But like if you go to a lot of these websites now, it'll say long day, short day, or neutral day, or midday. Well, that's good that mm-hmm. they're, you know, <laughs> it helps to know what you're planting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's And uh, we think we're going to be, here's an example, but it's not, it's not food. Uh, we're going to be talking to somebody in the not too distant future about hydrangeas and hydrangea care. She's, um, which botanic garden, uh, New York? Uh, she's. I know she's out east. Anyway, she's just written a book about it, and she's in Seattle right now at their show. And the thing about hydrangeas is I get questions all the time about hydrangeas, and I say, well, what kind of hydrangea do you have? And people say, well, I don't know. I say, well, I can't help you. I mean, I can probably help you figure out what kind of hydrangea you have, but you have to start knowing what you have and then you can work from there. Well, years ago, and this was five, six years ago, we went to a big box store, remained nameless, a lot of orange <laughs> in the sign. And, and, I have and, no idea who you're talking and, about. And they had <laughs> onions there, but they didn't have them labeled short, long, or neutral. You had to know the variety. So we looked it up, and they had all three there. This was in the Milwaukee area. So we reached out to them on Twitter, and they said, essentially... They said that it's up to the consumer to decide what kind of onion they, they, they want to buy. So basically, like, they'll gladly take your money, and that's your consumer decision, um, but they're not going to educate you. But now it seems that they are selling them for They, they the figured it out. Well, because for, for a long time, the big rap on those kinds of stores, and still to some degree, is that you don't get the expertise there. Right, right. Which is why I tell people, go to uh, an independent garden center. This is Bill from Paint. He'll help you with your tomato selection. Yeah. 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 And he was in the uh, the kitchenwares uh, uh-huh. uh, 20 minutes ago. And uh, yeah, he'll Bill come. doesn't care just, what tomatoes you buy. And he just, and he just <laughs> sold a lawn more yesterday. Yeah. So. And, uh, you know, I hate, I hate the not... And here's the other thing I will say about that. And I found this to be true. People go to these stores, the big stores... And I am not a fan of buying your plants at the big stores. Uh, even if you think they're cheaper, they're not. They're, they're usually so you're going to save a nickel and you're not going to get the same quality. So are you really saving money when you go to the big box store and buy those plants? I don't think so. It might be more convenient for you than going to the independent garden center. But if you want the garden centers to go uh, the way of the independent bookstore, thank you very much, Jeff Bezos, um, uh, you know, you, you should go 
to those garden centers. Mm-hmm. And these garden centers, they have somebody on staff that can answer your question mm-hmm. or know somebody who can answer it. They just don't give you an answer and go, oh, we, we don't know. Thanks for shopping. And mm-hmm. I know my friend Dan Costa might be listening this morning, and he's and he's nodding his nodding. head vigorously <laughs> right now because he works at uh, Vern Goer's Greenhouse in Hinsdale, and he gets Know that. your source. Yeah. Know your source. Yeah. And they can also help you diagnose what went wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I and I had uh, this ready to go for when you were were talking about uh, the <laughs> you were ripping the big orange. Um, <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. All right. But, <laughs> <laughs> and and Lorraine, by the way, is uh, New York Botanic Garden. She's out in Connecticut. See, I thought so. All right, New York Botanic Garden, and we're going to get her on the show, and we're going to be talking hydrangeas. Uh, I think in a few weeks she's got uh, a book out. All right. So where does that leave us? What have we? We've got. Uh, well, just we, like we a, want to talk about some straw bale when we come back. Yeah, definitely. I want to get into that. Okay. Uh, what did not work last year? You actually put this on the thing. We'll talk about what didn't work. So I want to know what did not work for you guys last year. Time management. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. He's uh, he's exactly right. We T H Y M E management. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> I don't even know why. Why I don't even know why it didn't work for us. I think we were just. We're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, we're focused on the radio show, focused on trying to trying to establish that to a point where it could almost be on autopilot to a certain degree, mm-hmm. and then the garden did, took a we second. Did a bajillion talks last year. Didn't yeah. We? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's good, though. Right? No, that is good. I think. But, but then, your teacher should also have a pretty nice example of what he or she is instructing you to do as well. Well, you're learning about uh, yeah managing time, as you said. It's just. Uh, it can be brutal. There we were. We were yesterday all day at this conference, and, and the, a lot of the time I'm there, I'm thinking, I got a show to put together here. I, I have to go on the air tomorrow. But, but fortunately, I have the Wisconsin Vegetable Garden here. I just <laughs> turn it over to Joey because he he knows how to run radio. All right, we're taking a break. One more segment. We'll be right back. Are you ready to go all in for our planet? All In is the theme for the annual One Earth Film Festival, March 1st through 10th at more than 60 locations throughout Chicagoland. 28 powerful solution-oriented films cover climate change, conservation, food waste, energy, and more. They will move you and inspire you to get involved for the sake of our collective future. Don't miss the Midwest's premier environmental film festival. Go to oneearthfilmfest.org. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. Meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Here is today's top automotive tech story. I'm Nick Miles. Ford introduced a new Explorer, which will include a police interceptor, a gas, a hybrid that will go 500 miles on a single tank, and a performance ST model that will have over 400 horsepower. On the technology front, it'll have a 10.1 portrait-mounted touchscreen, much the same as a Tesla. Ford's Copilot 360, driver assistance technologies that parallel parks the vehicle for you, and terrain management systems. For more cool car tech, visit testmiles.com. Out here on the trail, the difference between a good time and a great time usually comes down to how dirty your Tacoma gets. So put that multi-terrain select to good use. Track down some nasty stuff and dive right in. Learn more at toyota.com slash testmiles. 
Now back to the Mike Novak Show, full of knowledge. Well, if, if I know so much, how come I ain't rich? <laughs> Some of the wealthiest people are the ones with the least amount of money, Mike. Oh, I, that's, can I write that down? Yeah, that, that's, that's yours. You can use that. Here they are, Mike Novak and Peggy Malecki. With Holly Baird. And Joey Baird, the Wisconsin vegetable gardener. You got it. You can put another one together for me. Yeah, I, I know. I'll work on it. I like to, like, like to have that. Uh, w- before we wrap up here, uh, we were talking last week about straw bale gardening with Joel Karsten. And uh, are you, have you guys tried that? Are you going to try it? Yeah, we've, 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 we've tried, tried it. it yep, a number of years. We found a lot of success with it. It really helped us grow some nice squash. And we didn't always have good success with squash and melons, too. And the the key is is that you have to you have to condition the bale really you have not to that we're follow trying, instructions. You have to follow instructions. Right, right. Not that we're trying to push Joel's book, but the book really is a, a great guide to do it, especially if you're going to commit to it and something you're going to do year after year. It's very helpful. And I got a an email this week from a listener who said uh, he said it was a great show, and he started uh, uh, giving me information about trying to find organic. Uh, straw for the bales. He says, um, uh, we w- we kind of went back uh, and forth. He says, uh, straw bales is a great concept, and Joel assured me I will grow a bumper crop of the best-tasting tomatoes. However, for my money, it has to be organic. There are some organic farms in Wisconsin I'm contacting. It would be great if we can help support those farms. Maybe we get a few together and order a large quantity. We can deliver uh, ha- have them delivered to a location in Chicago because his 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 uh, argument was that he was having a hard time finding organic straw, and so I wrote to Joel and I said, "So what's the deal with that? Do you insist on organic straw for this so that you're not dealing with herbicides that might have been sprayed on the straw?" And he wrote back something that's very interesting. He says the difficulty is that many farmers who grow organic wheat or oats don't advertise their straw as organic because straw isn't food. It's bedding. So since nothing eats the organic, uh, it, or nothing eats it, the organic label normally has no value. What is important uh, is that they ask farmers if any herbicide has been used, and many will likely say they use nothing on it. There was simply a communication error because the organic label really has on, only has value on something eaten. It is becoming more common to promote non-edibles as organic, for example, organic cotton or organic wool, but many haven't yet adopted the term for non-edibles. Another option for bales may be to look for a list of organic farmers and look up those who grow oats or wheat then pursue their straw. I know the Minnesota State Department of Agriculture publishes a list of organic farmers, and it includes their contact info. It's possible Illinois would or Indiana or Wisconsin. So uh, his point is that it's almost, that's not the question, because it's not, since it's not inedible, it's not going to be labeled as organic. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you go to somebody who's listed as an organic farm, just say, well, do you grow oats? Do you, do you grow wheat? Uh, and can we get some of those bales? And then you know it's going to be organic. So that's that's very interesting. So I learned something this week by uh, talking to him about that. So there you go. And I want to thanks to David uh, who wrote yeah. – uh, we went back and forth and back and forth on this. So I hope you're listening today, David, 
and maybe this is an easier way to go. So you don't have to go looking specifically for organic straw. Just look for an organic farm and say, what are you growing there and, and what are you baling and, and can we get some of that? Right. And if the bale was, if the, if the straw was sprayed with a 2,4-D residue of chemical, the tomato or the pepper or whatever, it's going to die as soon as you put it in, the, in, in that bale anyway. If it's that. If yeah. it's that, right. Right. Um, you, sure. And I, and, and I, and I'm sure some of the concern is glyphosate right. and, and uh, maybe, uh, for harvesting and that, yeah, especially and that for where oats. Yeah. So, uh, there you go with, with, with that. So, uh, David, maybe we will set up something. Uh, we got just a few minutes here left. What are, what are we missing that you want to get across to folks who are getting ready for, uh, to put out their vegetable gardens this year? Do, do something different. Try something new, but do it in moderation. Do it in a small corner. And also, if you had a figure out what didn't do well last year, and then don't do it again. It, because <laughs> if it didn't work last year, why would it work again? Well, well I can tell unless you. Unless it were I, the weather or I something. Had, I had a, a couple of years ago. I had an issue with beans, believe it or not. And beans are usually kind of easy to grow. And they were up against the fence, and the neighboring yard had a lot of weeds in it, and they were really kind of crowded. And I discovered, I looked at the the mottled leaf, and I kind of figured out, maybe you guys helped me, maybe somebody else did, and they said, what about mites? And, of course, I went in there with a, a, a magnifying glass and went, oh, my God, they're covered in mites. And so I planted them elsewhere and, and with more air. And more, you know, less. And I figured this, a lot of it came over from the fence because were it was weeds all over the place, and they were crowding into the beans. And so I moved them elsewhere, and the bean crop was much better last year. We didn't have that issue. So sometimes you can figure out. Uh, obviously, this year, one of my concerns in my uh, next door, my dead neighbor's yard, where I grow tomatoes. She's still dead. Yeah, she's still dead. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Is uh, tomatoes because I've grown them in the same place for the last couple of years. Now I'm like, okay. Have you had any disease issues nope. with those two? Okay. Nope, not really. You, you and you might be fine. Well, that's not true. That's okay. not true. Okay. That's not true. We had uh, two years ago where we had some dieback, but we didn't have that same issue last year. So well, there was that curl that was like a pesticide we, residue and, curl. We, and we've had I had that problem. We've had curl. And it doesn't seem to be matter where the tomatoes are. They were in my yard, and I have no pesticides in my yard. And I've in the had next that yard, problem. And she's had the problem. Have you witnessed? Yeah, we had. Yeah, we had any idea well. what that is. Not a pro, not not a clue. But it didn't affect the production of and the my, plant. My friend in Colorado had it too, but it didn't. But it didn't affect the production. Almost had, as if it was like a something in the seeds that was sold last. I don't know. That, you know, if it was everywhere, it was almost like a something internally in the seed or in the harvesting, you know, that mm. type of thing. I'll tell you what, you get your experts, I'll mm. get my experts. No, <laughs> we should figure this out we because should. if people yeah. are getting tomato curl, they're getting the, the leaf curl. And as you say, it doesn't really seem to affect the production of the tomatoes. But I want to know what it is because obviously something's not quite right there. Yeah. Um, and I'll bet we can figure that out. Uh, Brian Huddleston up at U- UWM yeah, uh, at the University, yeah, Extension. in Madison. He he's big on this stuff, so we'd reach Maybe out. Maybe we can reach out to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah Let's I do know that. K- KC had some. 
comments on you it. You know, too. if Casey Tomato is is listening, uh, maybe he knows uh, as well. Did you, did you say he had some of that issue, or no? He I, no, he, he was some... he was joining the conversation last year when we were talking about it. Yeah, and uh, do you do you guys hear from Casey Tomato? He's uh, yes. Uh, okay, yeah. so yeah, he's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but but try something new. If it didn't work last year, if it is something that you can move somewhere else, do it. But if it's you know, something larger than that, back off of that and do something that you know is going to produce a lot. Tomatoes, you can get a, a good tomato plant, produce 10 to 15 pounds of You know tomatoes. what we tried last year, hmm. which was new for us, and we're going to try more of this year, was ground cherries. Ah, yes. And, oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Nikki Jabor actually encouraged us to grow those mm-hmm. as well. And they're, they're, I really like them. Joey doesn't like them as much, but I really like them, so we're going to grow more. So if you've never grown ground cherries i would highly recommend it the, the flavor is a cross between pineapple and vanilla yeah it's, it's very, very, very different yeah. speaking of that kind of thing uh you're a, an expert canner you're a champion canner and preserver right, yep. what what has done well over the winter for you what have you well, been doing well we didn't can anything this fall uh we got caught up in other things but see ah time management yeah. again. All right. it was it was really see, well, time you know management. when the operation gets too big for you to handle and you're breaking and you're busy counting your money that's coming in in wheelbarrows <laughs> that's exactly what happened yeah we were canning money yeah we were canning money but um we used to, we have a freezer full of tomatoes so mm-hmm. we're going to turn those into something uh pretty soon here and so we had a lot of tomatoes we also had uh what else do we have? A well, lot of zucchini. We have, don't can too many pickles if you're not going to eat them because they will go they mushy get, on Yeah, you. they get really yeah. mushy. Yeah. So definitely that. Um, but we had a lot of stuff from previous years that carried over. Well, thank you guys so much for coming down. That's uh, Holly Baird, Joey Baird, The Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. Go to thewisconsinvegetablegardener.com for videos, audio, uh, advice, everything. And listen to their show if you get a chance. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got more coming up. More than ever, Chicagoans are looking for resources to help them lead a healthier, more sustainable lifestyle. I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach consumers that support this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our readers are committed to improving their health, leading greener lives, and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors, nutritionists, organic products, relaxation options, fitness and yoga classes, green landscapers, energy efficient experts and more our dedicated readers pick up their free copies of natural awakenings each month throughout chicago and the suburbs because they know it's our area's best source for information about healthy green living call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more and check us out at nachicago.com natural awakenings feel good live simply laugh more welcome to the second hour of the mike novak show with peggy malecki This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. And by Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan seafood direct to your door. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Indeed. And the way to grow it is to listen to the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener with Joey and Holly Baird. 
And uh, so great having them uh, yeah. on, on the show. And uh, and if you get a chance, listen to But basically, with 1,300 videos <laughs> on, their, <laughs> on their site, there's going to be something uh, pretty much about everything. Yeah, all sorts of how-tos. That you grow, so... Take care. We want to, uh, or, or rather, take care. Uh, take care to, 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 I don't even know what I meant to say there. All right. <laughs> uh, it just came out. It's been a long of, weekend. Uh, it has. Um, we want to remind folks that uh, next week, the One Earth Film Festival, it actually starts on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, the 1st of March. And uh, you can go to oneearthfilmfest.org and uh, get your tickets. There's all kinds of films that are out there uh, in the 10 days. It goes from the 1st through the 10th, so there'd be Sunday the 10th of March, um, and they list them A to Z or by location. Yeah. You know, they got an American Ascent, uh, Backyard Wilderness uh, for ages 6 to 13, so the kids are invited yeah. as well. Birders, the Central Park Effect, Dirt Rich, we talked about mm-hmm. on our show last week with uh, Marcy Cravat, um, and... Uh, the Call of the Forest. You know, I, I can't. I don't have time to go through what they're all about. Dreaming of a better world with a V as in victory. Um, Earth and Sky, here's another ages three to eight. Earth and Sky friends. Cool. So there's lots for the uh, for um, everybody and, for and, for kids as well. And they're all over the Chicagoland area. So in the city, downtown, suburban, and Indiana, even this year. So I would advise you, again, just go to oneearthfilmfest.org. Go see one of them and 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 participate in in a conversation because there's going to be a lot of those as well and, uh, and support yeah. the idea. Because, you know, in the next segment, we're going to be talking about um, climate change and journalism. And it, 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 this is climate change and art. Right. Right. So uh, I hope uh, folks get involved. And it's also a great way to start conversations beyond just the movie and, and perhaps meet other people that you can get involved with for the issues you support. Yeah. And next week, we think, <laughs> we, don't, we don't know for sure. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> oh, my God. We think we're talking Chicago Flower and Garden Show. Can you believe it? As It's, it's, it's a month away. Uh, and almost, yeah, exactly. Our broadcast... Yes, it is, is, because March has the same days as February. Exactly. We will be broadcasting live from the Chicago Flower and Garden Show on the 24th of March. So mark your calendars now to come down to Navy Pier that morning for a great live broadcast. Yeah. And the two, well, the day before we'll be at the Good Food Fest, but the two days before we'll be at the Good Food Fest. uh, And and that Tuesday night we'll be at Evening in Bloom. Yeah, that's... Uh, you know, I'm I'm girding my loins for that week. Uh, we will see what what happens. Uh, Randall's that, looking at uh, you strangely. Uh, what girding my loins? You don't want to see that, Mike. I like you, but I don't want to know anything about your loins. All right. Okay. All right. Well, then, I'll, then I would say avert your eyes. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, March is a is a big month for events, but the the main ones uh, are the uh, One Earth Film Festival. The mm-hmm. Good Food Festival and the Chicago yeah. Flower and Garden Show, and there's a lot of seed swaps starting to come up in March and April. Um, at at uh, Wild Things yesterday, we were seeing a lot of flyers for upcoming uh, native plant sales. Mm-hmm. So start looking for some of those. I'm, I'm sure we'll be getting a lot of those on the website <laughs> and on social media. I just got an email from uh, Dan Dan Costa. 
He and, was listening. His ears and, were burning. Yeah. In fact, the, the subject line is listeners. He says, yes, listening and heard my name. Yeah, well. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Spilled his coffee uh, in the process. <laughs> that happens to me, too. He says, I was cheering about your advice to go to the IGC, Independent Garden Center, for advice. I just did a seed starting program at the Brookfield Garden Club, Hmm. and I mentioned the LED lights you advertise. That would be Happy Leaf LED. Go to happyleafled.com. Several people at the meeting were familiar with your show and listened to you. Well, there we go. You know, so I've got what I'm up to like seven or eight listeners now. Is Is that what we've got here? Uh, maybe, maybe I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> and that, and of course, uh, Kathleen is now throwing things at the, at at her computer <laughs> where she's listening uh, to the show. What's do we know what's happening with, uh, uh, Bill uh, Bill Turk? They have um, uh, one of the mayoral candidates. I believe it's uh, Willie Wilson is on this morning. Really? Yeah. Okay. And they also, and of course the others are going to say, hey, can we get on before Tuesday, uh, and so we can all. Yeah, get on the show. Um, and writer Dan Klefstad is going to be on the show have, as well. That's page three. I yes. don't have a page three. Um, and that's Sunday one to three playtime with Bill Turk and Gary Kendall right here on fifteen ninety WCGO. And it's the perfect time. All this weather. If you don't like it, blame Bill. Uh, sure. And and that's the other thing. Uh, Joey and Holly are actually sticking around out in the lobby, and then when Rick DeMaio comes in, they're going to come back because they want to know the Wisconsin weather. And I. I want to know why it's so scary out there. It's just when that kind of wind comes up. I that you know rain. Yeah. Eh, who cares? Yeah, Snow. Ah. Eh, ice. Eh. Wind. Ooh. Yeah. That's 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 scary stuff. Uh, as far as you ask me. Uh, okay. Uh, in the next segment of the show, we're bringing back a guy who's been on the show before, Steve Horn. Uh, we're going to talk some environmental journalism. I hope you join the conversation. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That's not just a tree in your yard. It's an investment. It's a windbreak. It's a natural work of art. It's part of the family, which is why you want Bartlett Tree Experts to care for your tree. With 120 offices worldwide, Bartlett is the largest residential tree care firm in the world, and their techniques are backed by the science of the Bartlett Research Laboratories. Call for a free estimate because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Get ready to eat, meet, and be thoughtful at Family Farm's 15th Annual Good Food Expo. It's your chance to connect with Midwest farmers and producers, learn from chefs like Erling Wu Bauer and Gene Banchett, and eat delicious food in the Good Food Court. Entry is free with online registration. The Good Food Commons is back, as is Test Your Soil. Good Food happens Saturday, March 23rd at the UIC Forum in Chicago. Visit goodfoodexpo.org. This is Mike Novak. Admit it, you're already jonesing for fresh tomatoes. You've even thought about growing them indoors, but you're not sure how. Happy Leaf LED to the rescue. Their website has how-to videos about planting your indoor garden, including tomatoes. The secret is their fantastic grow lights. Five-year warranty, USA-made, available in three sizes. Go to happyleafled.com and do some video binging. Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Jumpstart your tomatoes with better light. You can enjoy fresh local food all winter long at indoor farmer's markets hosted by different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April 6th. Your purchase of sustainably produced foods helps support regional farm families. 
The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of all faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and more info, go to faithinplace.org. It's not easy being green. By request. Having to spend its day in the color of the leaves. However, the request was, I believe, two weeks ago. Fan the man's at I, his own speed. I, if there are any folks out there who know about iTunes, I, can, I have switched computers mm-hmm. several times in the last few years. And every time I do, I lose tunes that I've paid for on iTunes, and then they just disappear. And my feeling is, wait a second, this is iTunes. This is part of Apple. They're one of the biggest corporations in the world. They must keep track of the things I paid for. Anybody know about that? If you if, if you want to send me an email about that, Mike at MikeNovak.net, because I'm <laughs> confused and I and I paid for the, I paid for this microphone. Oh wait, I paid for this tune. And uh, my golly, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I just had to get that out of the way. In fact, uh, we don't. Uh, uh, so does that mean I get to blame Steve Jobs today instead of? Uh, no, I think that's a blame bill. Is that's a blame bill? That's a blame bill. Okay. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, speaking of not being it, it not being easy to be green. Um, in some uh, respects, it's really not easy to be green when you're an environmental journalist um, because uh, you're wandering in the wilderness often. Uh, we have a, a, a friend on the line uh, with us who last was with the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki back in the days of pirate radio. Our pirate radio. His name is Steve Horn. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Good to be back on. Yes, it's Welcome so good. To, yeah, we don't have. We, all right, we're going to have to do this more often. We're, we've decided that already. But uh, yeah, it. I have followed Steve for years. Uh, you don't know it. I'm. I'm. I'm a stalker, Steve. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and invo- well, well, he you knows know, it now. But that's the thing. Uh, what you find out uh, when you're when you're in the media, uh, whether it's print or broadcast or visual. Uh, often there's people who just follow you, um, uh, and you don't know it. And I followed your stuff for years on Desmog blog and people can still go to Desmog blog. And I've got uh, a link to it on my, my blog this week at MikeNovak.net. But Steve wrote for years and years, uh, on, on that site. Uh, and then you, uh, you, you changed up for a couple of years and you moved to a new venue. Uh, kind of walk us through that, Steve. Sure. Um, yeah, it was actually only one year, but uh, yeah, I um, in the beginning of 2018, I about a year ago actually, I uh, left Smog and went to a completely different beat for one year. It turned out to be one year, and uh, it was the criminal justice uh, and prisons beat, which is not the most pleasant beat in hindsight. I mean, neither beat is. is uh, yeah. Pleasant, mm-hmm. but yeah so um yeah it's its own it, uh it's yeah niche there's, there's shall we shall, really, uh, shall we say niche yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i'm not, I'm not gonna, i'm not saying that as a as a way to kind of say i didn't like it i, I was just saying that it, it uh, i just wanted to 
preface it by saying that it was, yeah, you, you write about and hear about a lot of pretty terrifying things yeah. when you're covering that topic. But yeah, I was writing for Prison Legal News, which has been around for quite a long time, since 1990. Um, and that's a publication that uh, basically 70%, 70% of the subscribers are incarcerated. Um, and so the, the writing is very much geared towards helping people learn about civil rights and human rights, either you know abuses, but also things they can do about it uh, when they're uh, incarcerated. Um, so it's a different style of writing. You're not you're not really writing as much for um, a mass public, if you will, but at the same time, you kind of are because when you realize how many people are behind bars in the United States, you end up still having a pretty uh, big audience, which is mm-hmm. a sad commentary yeah. on the prison apparatus. But yeah, so I did that for about a year, and then um, I'll say that I was a big fan of the Real News Network. Um, that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted independent journalism was because I was following their coverage when I was in college, among other outlets, but they were one of the major broadcast ones I was following, uh, broadcast te- or television-type stuff that gets streamed on the Internet. So, yeah, they were hiring. They're, they're, we are, I can say we now because I work there, but I, I saw when I was at Eastmog that they were trying to create a global climate change or climate, global climate crisis bureau. So I was intrigued by that. Um, it sounded ambitious. It sounded important for broadcast media to be trying to do something like that. I think it's one venue in the media that's really lagged far behind on covering the climate crisis, mm-hmm. um, especially cable news. Um, oh, boy. It's really almost no, no coverage. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I think it was an important thing. So, yeah, long story short, I saw that they were hiring a producer slash reporter for that particular bureau, and I applied, and here I am. I work there now. Well, they've, they've kind of cut to the chase here, calling it the Climate Crisis Bureau. So that tells you uh, where they're coming from. Right. And you're one of, what, th- right. three people uh, in the bureau? Right now, yeah. So, um about three and eh, three and a half. We have we have a <laughs> okay. It depends, you know. Some people we have, you know, we have to use our staff. As sure, best sure. And given that it's, but yeah, we have. I would, I would say, yeah, th- three definitely, and then sometimes mm-hmm. we have uh, another uh, producer or anchor who can help out as need be. But yeah, basically about three. And and you wrote an article what caught my attention the other day. Uh, or the other week, actually, you wrote a, a piece called Real Climate Coverage Names Names Avoids False Hope and Probes Solutions for the Real News Network. Um, and I thought, OK, yeah, this is this is something that resonates with me because you mentioned how little this is, uh, you know, if you want if you want an exercise in tearing your hair out, watch any of the cable news channels uh, during the day or even in the evening uh, when all they talk now and we're, we're and we're in 20 we're only in February 2019 and it's all horse race all the time right now if yep. if they're not talking about uh, the Trump administration being in court uh, and yeah every every now and then the uh, media uh, the uh, the climate stuff pops up but you wouldn't have known it from watching the elections in 2018. I was uh, 
kind of paying attention to that. And Mm -hmm. you didn't you didn't hear the word uh, climate change or words climate change. You didn't hear the word environment pop up very often. And that's really frustrating because this it may be the single biggest issue of our times. So I can see why that would resonate with you and why you would want to go over to the Real News Network and be part of uh, this uh, this new bureau that uh, they have over there. So uh, you wrote what you call a kind of manifesto. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I kind of, that kind of started as a little bit of a joke because uh, I'll start with like the premise of why this was written and we can get into it and you can feel free to ask a couple questions. But yeah, just uh, so the manifesto was something I, I called it that because Paul J, who is uh, the uh, guy who still is the, uh, kind of the CEO of the Real News Network or the the director, he and and the founder. So he when I when I was first hired, he basically assigned me to write this as a way to kind of reintroduce the Global Climate Crisis Bureau and that we're kind of reinvigorating it. So it had had kind of existed, but they still they wanted to make another hire and uh boost it further. So he asked me to write whatever I thought was important um, and what I kind of what I thought about climate crisis and also climate coverage. So I called it when I emailed it to him, I called it the, the quote unquote manifesto and it kind of, they kind of, <laughs> I think they must've thought it was kind of funny or something. So I love I that. The inside that. joke makes it uh, into a print. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what, what, what were you trying to say in it? I mean, I've got, I've got a quote here. I could maybe start with Mm -hmm. this is that you start asking questions. Uh, how has wall street oil and gas trading, coal market speculation, and other forms of financialization led us to where we are in the climate quagmire? How does it tie back to foreign policy and geopolitics? What could be done differently in agriculture and who's benefited from that status quo? Stopping right there, Mm -hmm. I, I saw an article very recently that said one of the the enemies of really doing effective change uh, regarding climate change is Farm Bureau. Um, and uh, that that's worth looking at, is saying, well, why why are they not in board when when the people who are going to suffer greatly are farmers in uh, in our country and around the world? Uh, you, you talk about why should... Uh, uh, or should nuclear energy play a role? If not, why are some environmental groups pushing for it? That that pushes my buttons too. Is that when people say, "Hey, we really that's this will be the bridge. This will get us there." Are you kidding me? The bridge when we haven't built a new nuclear plant in like forty years? Um, what makes you what makes you think this is a bridge to clean energy? I mean, these are great questions, Steve, and uh, and I assume you believe they're not covered enough in in our media these days. I would say, in particular, they. I don't want to deride the the print media, especially the digital print media. As you mentioned, the agriculture uh, issue and the Farm Bureau, I think that might have been Inside Climate News or someone else, but there are outlets like them and others which have popped up in, let's say, this decade in particular to fill the void in print journalism that yeah. existed on climate mm-hmm change coverage um, and even the New York Times has reinvigorated its print coverage of climate change well, and hired if I can stop you for a second uh, if I can stop you there yeah, go ahead. yeah two yeah. things um, I, I I agree with you I think there's some great outfits doing it I like climate change 
news. Uh, uh, you, you talked about them. Uh, and the New York Times, mm-hmm. uh, several years ago, they disbanded their environmental section. And it looks like they thought better of it. And now they're increasing yeah. their, their coverage. Yeah. So that's good to hear. Exactly. Yeah. They did. Yeah. They did let people go. And then they. I guess yeah, they might have seen how silly that was. There's a lot of backlash against that as well, how silly of a thing that was. So, yeah, they've, in a way, I feel like, though, um, in part, they've beefed up their climate team in the Trump era because, um, you know, there's lots of kind of, it's kind of, there's like kind of climate change investigations as well. So, sort of like corruption in the Trump administration, and they've kind of openly hired along the lines of hiring the climate change investigative reporters at New York Times. But anyway, that's kind of an aside. But that's all to say that there are a lot of outlets, but I still think not enough. Um, and there's way more horse race stuff, even in print media, and a lot of focus on other issues besides centering a lot of things on climate change. But, and this gets to what we're trying to do with Real News and all these questions that are kind of laid out that I feel like are premises of potential reports and, you know, mm-hmm. multiple, multiple reports that you can on, on all those topics. But in broadcast journalism in particular, there is a huge void of reporting on these issues. Um, you know, there's not that much independent media really in the broadcast space to begin with. When I say broadcast, I mean like um, visual broadcast, like t- you know, streamed online kind of thing or TV. TV, it's kind of hard to afford that for independent media, so it's mostly online. So we're online, um, realnews.com, but, or YouTube. Well, think, or Apple TV as well. But, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So that, I mean, a lot of these, yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, well, you, you're, you're talking about, again, the, the frustration. And you know, you know that the, the broadcast media folks are just being lazy because it doesn't take lazy. That... And I think, and it, there's, um, it's financial and cynical yes. not to cover it. Yeah. yeah. Cynical. Like, who their cynical. backers are. Right. Cynical and lazy. Well, exactly. and, and also who's your audience and, and people want to hear about the horse race, but it doesn't take, I could right. go, they could hire me tomorrow. I could go on those stations and say the same nonsense that comes out of their mouths. And I could do it probably smarter because I would draw a uh, climate change into it somehow. Uh, but they don't want to hear that. They just want to hear pure horse race right. and and silly things like, do you eat chicken with a fork or with your hands? Okay, the, you know and, that and the, only takes ninety seconds. Yeah. Uh, so so the, the, you know short discussions for. But, but my point is, broadcast. you know, the the same panels talk about the same things, and uh, and you want them. You want every to, hour. Where where are your producers? Where's get an intern to do a little research on climate change and and talk about that for 20 minutes how hard would that be yeah well the problem is gets to the core of what they're doing is at the level of whoever is the lead producer like the, the director of each show is taking some direction from someone even higher because mm-hmm. when i uh, i kind of stopped watching uh, in 2017 but i, I, I kind of like stopped watching for a long time before that and i started watching cable news again for a little bit because i was intrigued about just like sort of like the beginning of the Trump White House in particular and it's kind of like so surreal that I had to I couldn't help myself but watch for a while but what I noticed is every show that they do like on MSNBC or CNN it pretty much always every show is the same like on certain days I mean there will be like small differences but it becomes obvious that they're taking a direction that you cover this and 
this is what we're covering today. And so no matter what time someone tunes in, they're going to see pretty much the same story, which is like some crazy statement that Trump made or uh, some crazy tweet that he put out back then. I think those are those tweet stories yeah. were constant. So, and meanwhile, yeah, and I just want to say you know, one. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you go ahead. Oh yeah. Well, I think that it's telling. Um, so, cause we're talking about what they do cover, what they don't cover, um, is climate change. And so we, we, you know, media matters, uh, media matters for America, the mm-hmm. DC based group, which studies media, um, and, uh, is a watchdog on, on media. They, they said that in, uh, 2017 on ABC, CBS, Fox news Sunday, um, all of those Sunday shows only had, this is just one example. They only had four segments in the whole year that discussed climate change. Wow. All right. We and need, we not, need to take a yeah. break right now. We'll be back with Steve Horn, the Mike Novak show, with Peggy Malecki. Did you know it takes almost 2000 gallons of water to produce one pound of beef in a green diva minute? You'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. It takes only 39 gallons of water to produce one pound of vegetables. Meat production releases more greenhouse gases than veggies. Emissions from livestock currently make up almost 15% of the global greenhouse gases. Of that, beef and dairy alone make up 65%. One cow's annual output of methane, you know, cow fluffs, burps, call them what you want, is equivalent to the emissions generated by one car burning 235 gallons of gas. Talk about stinky climate change. More vegetables equals a happier planet. Just saying. I'm Green Diva Meg, and you can find more low-stress green living tips at thegreendivas.com. This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not so serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants indoors and out. Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. That's the sound of the earth going to heck in a handbag right there. That's that's what will happen. Oh, look at and call pouring in. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We have Steve Horn uh, on the phone with us, and uh, he is uh, a, an investigative journalist uh, and is part of the new network, um, the Real News Network, actually, and their new uh, climate uh, bureau 
uh, Climate Crisis Bureau at the Real News Network. And what I wanted to get back to, uh, Steve Horn, um, something we were talking about in the break, and Peggy's question is related to mine, and it's prioritizing. When you're writing and being an editor for something like this, um, you and I and Peggy, we look at these uh, articles that come across um, uh, in our inboxes every day, and uh, the effect could be to paralyze us with uh, despair, Um, you know, and maybe that's one of the reasons that they don't put these things on (laughs) all the the news networks, because where would you go from there? So Peggy was asking, how do you prioritize? Prioritize. Thank you. You've got limited staff, limited budget, and... and... When you know that everything's bad, pretty much, insects are disappearing, we've got the, the, you know, the, the levels are... Uh, 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 of heater going up. Uh, we've got icebergs calving in Antarctica. We've got, I mean, on and on and on and on. Methane bombs are about to go off, that sort of thing. How do you prioritize that? Yeah, well, I think the way that we see it is several folds. So one, um, just in terms of trying to cover all of this, um, we are trying to, first of all, kind of grow our bureau, and that means kind of fundraise for it and, and beef it up so that we are able, we have more capacity to cover more things from a logistical point of view. So there's that. That's just the basic staffing thing. But in terms of prioritizing from there, no matter how many staff you have, there there's, you know, say we had even a couple more, that would, then maybe that would get, up, get us up to five people. There's still how much, how much can five people really handle. And that gets to your, the core of your question. And what we're trying to do is balance solutions like actually taking a really hard look mm-hmm. at various solutions that are being proposed, especially large or, or scalable solutions, but even ones that are small that can be replicable, that, that would be the same thing. So ones that are, that are seemingly small but could be replicated across the country, even across the world in various forms. So we're trying to take what's one of the things that uh, we will be doing is covering that a lot more. So it's not just that type of coverage that you said, which is kind of fatalistic and kind of brings people to despair, but doesn't really bring them to a point of wanting to engage on the issue going forward and keep following the issue. So we want solutions to be part of our, a regular part of our coverage. At the same time, we don't only want to be uh, quote unquote solutions oriented, not that solutions are, uh, solutions are great, but I think that one of the uh, things that some venues do is not talk quite as honestly as they maybe could about where the climate science is. And I think you need to be, you need to be honest about that. You need to kind of keep on top of various studies and and make sure you're talking to those scientists who are doing those studies just to, it's, I mean, it's kind of hard to follow those types, you know, people aren't Mm -hmm. sitting there reading science journals every day. So I think that we want to make sure that we're staying on top of those studies and interviewing or doing stories about those studies. So there's still a steady <laughs> supply of that at the same time. And at the same time, the third part of it is all of this is part of a political system uh, that whether that's in the United States or globally, depending on the story. And so we are trying. And so two things we're trying to do in the U S is make sure we're covering Washington, DC, uh, regularly, and then one of our reporters on the Climate Crisis Bureau also covers Maryland because uh, the Real News is based in Baltimore, so she covers both the city of Baltimore and Maryland and D.C., so she keeps pretty busy. And then 
me, I'm going to be covering a lot of stuff that's happening in California, um, which is its own kind of huge state that has that's often billed as a climate change leader um, by the rest of the country. And so we're trying to put that to the test. It's a test tube. Interesting things like. You know, Cali- that, yeah, California is a test tube yeah. for the yeah. rest of the country. I mean, they they have led the way in a lo- yeah. lot of ways, and with the cli- with with the kind of climate you have there, and with the number of people, the sheer numbers of people in California, you are you you sort of set the the the, mm-hmm. the tone for the rest of the country. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and it, it, I mean, it shows it can show the in some ways, like the limits of what California is doing that may not be enough and that can be drawn out. And also there are plenty of interesting examples happening in California as well that maybe could be potential things that the rest of the country could start to think about doing or maybe even do better. So, yeah, I think that we want to definitely be covering California. And I think that um, that's, especially from a, a national perspective, just because you can, you know, it's kind of, on a one one side of the country, it has a different time zone, and maybe people aren't necessarily able to see California in that kind of national perspective. So we're mm-hmm. going to try to do that as well, especially uh, is a good opportunity right now with the transition from Governor Brown to Governor Newsom to start kind of pointing at what is Newsom doing, what are his plans, and what's going to happen in the next year or so. It, it's also interesting, I just thought about this now, California is one of the first primary states in the yes. presidential election, okay. which is yeah. due for 2020. So yeah. that'll, be, that'll be very interesting. California. You know, and, uh, one thing yeah, I, I, I wanted to get to, you, you were talking about political stuff uh, and climate. And here's a perfect example, which is that new, the new de- green deal, mm-hmm. the new green deal that's mm-hmm. been rolled out. And what's that is, what that has turned into is not, Hey, let's look at these, uh, proposals in terms of how they mitigate climate change, but it's now become political. It's like, who's this AOC and how does she get to dictate to the world? And it's been completely perverted already, and we're only a couple of weeks out of the gate in this. And right. and it's become, They have to distract. Right, and it's this weird, it's turned into a weird conversation about who's AOC, and it's not really the New Green Deal at all. And that's where, that's sort of the pitfall of climate coverage, you know, when we start going down those holes and that that's the, you know, typical media coverage, probably not so much mm-hmm. what, you're, what you're doing at climate crisis bureau. But it's also distractions yeah. coming well, through. Yeah. You know, what we're trying to do, actually, I'm glad you brought up the green new deal. We are trying to cover that regularly going forward, like that it does a regular part of our, beat at the Climate Crisis Bureau is mm-hmm. looking at that from a multitude of perspectives, looking at people who want maybe more in it or would like to see it be different, looking at people who are really supportive of it, looking at how it plays out politically, and, yeah, staying away from that kind of coverage that you're talking about that's, that is the dominant coverage right now. Right. But really what we're trying to do is engage seriously with the different prongs within the Green New Deal or prongs that aren't in it that various activists or advocates or just normal people would like to see in a Green New Deal. Like, um, for example, let's give one prong of it um, that I don't think was discussed that much by um, cable news, just since that's kind of our competitor. And that is, the, for example, I think they did engage with it, but not in a, it was, isn't a way to deride it. And that is the federal jobs guarantee that was included in the Green New Deal. Well, what we did is we interviewed 
one of the, the I think it was a, a woman who helped write that portion or dream up the port that portion of the Green New Deal, a scholar and my colleague interviewed her last week and I forgot her name off the top of my head, otherwise I would give it. But you know, that, that that will be up on the real news probably okay. if it's not up already very soon. And that that's just like having having a discussion with that person, like how did that get in there? Why is that kind of thing important in a Green New Deal? And engaging with it seriously rather than in a way that's like Oh, is that realistic? Is that yeah? You know, it's kind of like the main way you're going to see things talk about a Green New Deal in general by the dominant media is, oh, how can we pay for it? And it's kind of right. It's it's not negative. what what it, what not what good it would do, but how do we pay for it? And that's uh, of course that's exactly. part of, that's of course that's part of the question. But you know what? At some point, you got to say is. it doesn't matter how we pay for it. We need to do this. Is yeah. it would be my argument? All right, uh, we've got like. Three and a half minutes here, real quick. I want to get. We got a call. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to it. It's Amtrak Tim, and I know why he's calling, and he knows I know why he's calling. It's because we talked nuclear, and he's. And I'm going to put plant this in your head and see if we got like 30 seconds at the end of this conversation to talk about the idea of thorium nuclear. Are you familiar with that at all, Steve? I am not. No. All right. Well, then you I don't know that much about nuclear. But it's on my list of things to cover. And that's one of the things. Some people say that thorium nuclear reactors are the the secret to moving forward because you don't have the same nuclear Mm -hmm. waste that you do with uranium. Um, And Ah. uh, and I've had people call my show and invite me to conferences Mm -hmm. and say, "Why are we not studying this? The Chinese are studying it." Well, my feeling is, if the Chinese were studying and doing it, where are their nuclear reactors? Thorium nuclear reactors. But and I'm not I'm not dissing. Uh, Amtrak, Tim, we've got very little time here, but I want to bring it up. And I'll tell you what, Tim, if I don't get you today, you're welcome to call again and we'll we'll talk about this. But the thing I want to talk about real quick is something you wrote about just the other day, which is uh, the pipelines. You've got, we, and we've got two minutes. So make condense yeah, this, condense this uh-huh. as much as you can, Steve. When we first sure. when we first talked in 2016, we were talking about the uh, the uh, D, uh, DAPL out in uh, in yeah. in the Dakotas, yep. and that got passed. I mean, I mean, they got built. It's it's up and running, and it, and and and, yep. and, and now there's all these bills looking to criminalize pipeline protests. Right. So and that what all that yeah. all that seemed to do is make it worse for people who might protest a pipeline what's going on uh with bills uh and and illinois is one of those states that's considering this i can't believe it yeah well exactly like like peggy said this is an outgrowth of the standing rock movement basically starting in 2017 not long after the dakota access pipeline was finally approved and kind of got that final approval from the trump administration through executive order uh which in which he instructed his agencies to expedite building the rest of that out um, in the aftermath of uh, the uprising that took place in 2016, all these states started passing bills and um, in various ways, but it kind of got consolidated into this double bill that was two different bills that were passed in Oklahoma, which offer both civil and criminal penalties to people who protest pipelines on what's called, well, it's called critical infrastructure and what on their private property. And it, basically creates enhanced criminal penalties or hyper-criminalization, if you will, for doing that. So it became, you know, Oklahoma bills passed, and then the American Legislative Exchange Council, or ALEC, another organization called the Council of State Governments. Well, you probably can't hear the music, bills. Steve, but we're, we're out of time. So basically, it's being considered in a lot of different states, including Illinois. We're going to talk more including about Illinois. this. Yeah. 
Steve, uh, thank you so much, Steve Horn. Go to therealnews.com. We'll talk to you soon. The Midwest's premier environmental film festival is back with a question. Are you all in? Are you prepared to make a difference for the sake of your children and their children? The 8th Annual One Earth Film Festival returns March 1st through 10th at more than 60 locations throughout Chicagoland. Choose from 28 powerful films, meet the filmmakers, talk to like-minded people. You can even volunteer for the fest. Now is the time to go all in. Go to oneearthfilmfest.org. You can't count on the weather in this town, but when spring arrives, you can count on the Chicago Flower and Garden Show to make an appearance. March 20th through 24th, it's Flower Tales. The story grows on at Navy Pier. Once again, literature is seen through the prism of flowers, plants, and gardens. More than 20 featured display gardens, garden gourmet, daily free kids activities, the marketplace, and more. We're broadcasting live from the show on Sunday morning, so stop by. Go to chicagoflower.com for details. Here is today's top automotive tech story. I'm Nick Miles. Kia introduces its new flagship SUV, the Telluride, packed with automotive tech, including the Kia DriveWise suite of advanced driver assistance systems and an available 10.25-inch color touchscreen with rear-view monitor and parking guidance. Telluride will have available wireless smartphone charging, available six total USB charging ports, multi-Bluetooth wireless connectivity, allowing two phones to connect simultaneously. For more cool car tech, visit testmiles.com. Here's the thing about bragging rights. They don't come with trophies or medals. But when your Tacoma with crawl control powers over a gnarly patch of rocks, there's nothing more satisfying than throwing it in your buddy's face. Learn more at toyota.com slash test miles. I'm going to be around my vegetables. I'm going to chow down my vegetables. I love you most of all. My favorite vegetable. There we go. Welcome back to the Mike Nowak Show with Peggy Malecki. And look who wandered back into the studio. It's Holly and Joey Baird. And that's because they want to talk to Rick DeMaio, too. And let's bring and, in our, our, yes. And Blame Bill is waiting to hear from Rick DeMaio as well. Blame Bill is, oh, is he? Yep. Okay, good. So, Rick, you've got a, you've got a live audience here. It's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Bill's fault. Blame Bill. Yeah, no, we blame Bill for everything. So, uh, um, well, I, I, I haven't been listening. I was busy doing a bunch of household chores. So what am, what am I being blamed for? Um, I don't know. Where Hughes goes. <laughs> uh, 60 mile an hour winds. Yeah, I, I think that's it. That's, that's, yeah, that's basically that's not bad. Um, 350 flight cancellations that I'll hear at Midway. I can, I can deal with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is, this is a, this is a good old fashioned, um, Colorado kind of hybrid panhandle low. Uh, that you'll get every once in a while. But what was most amazing about this, guys, was that the amount of warmth in advance of this and the amount of moisture with this was was truly phenomenal from a standpoint of uh, its longevity. Literally started out in the Gulf of uh, Alaska uh, about a week ago, moving through parts of California, uh, the L.A. area with rain and snow. Um, You heard about the 100 inches of snow out in the Sierra Nevada mountains. That was... was um, extra-tropical cyclone number one, mm-hmm. and then this is extra-tropical mid-latitude cyclone number two, uh, and then 36.9 inches of snow in Flagstaff, Arizona, in a 24-hour period of time. Just just incredible amount of moisture. And the rain snow line actually pushed all the way up from Minneapolis to north of Green Bay. I mean, you, just, you don't typically see that stuff uh, in late February, but 
now we're beginning to typically see that stuff in late February. Which is another thing we can blame you for, I think, yeah. is, uh, is the <laughs> I, I guess. You know, <laughs> I, I actually have, I've had a very interesting conversation with my Loyola students on Wednesday. I said, all right, you're the governor of California. You have all of these um, climate initiation, you know, you know, initiatives going forward to try to figure out how to adapt and how to mitigate. How do you adapt to getting 100 inches of snow in five days and your weather, your reservoir is basically going from low to 160% of normal in five days as well. Are, are we beginning to think twice about what we need to do in the future? Not so much combat this, but also try to adapt and mitigate in, in the short term as well? You know, and they kind of looked at me and went, hmm, you kind of make <laughs> a little bit of sense here because this yeah. is the second time we've had some you know, absolutely phenomenal rain and snow in California in the last five years. And we just had Steve Horn on, who's a, a journalist and an environmental journalist, and you're not going to see this a lot of places. Well, you will in the environmental journalism, but you won't see it elsewhere in the media, except, you know, you come on the show here, Rick, and remind people that this is happening in California, and that's important for people to know that the wide swings that we're having in terms uh, of our weather which is, as you've coined the phrase, climate variability in action. Right, right. And I mean, and, and part of this comes from, you know, studying what we've already seen on, on a seasonal level. So one of the things that um, we did with my Loyola students last week is we looked at large-scale, what we call seasonal weather. Like, what type of weather does Africa get, which is basically mm-hmm. seasonal, it's the monsoon. What type of weather does India get, it's seasonal, which is the monsoon. So if you know you're going to get a lot, you basically store that up and you use it for the end of the season or the following year. So I, I guess I guess the thing is, and part of this comes out of you know the new Green Deal um, and that awkward moment with Diane Feinstein or Feinstein, whatever you call her, out in California with the kids when the kids came up to her and said the government is for the people, by the people, of the people, and she says I don't like people coming in and telling me how to do my job, I've been doing it for 30 years, which is a really awkward thing. You just don't say that, right? No. And at the same time, parents, which may have been part of it, send their kids in there and say, make sure you say this to the senator and blah, 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 and we'll see what happens. So we're not going to get anywhere by having a new Green Deal, you know, pounded on the table with with, with like a hammer and say, this is what we have to do because we have to do it now. I, I, I still think Mike and Peg... We're not really getting the big picture here. We're not seeing how we can work with and, and, and you know, maybe adapt and mitigate to some of the other things rather than saying we need to change it now because it, it's the future 30 or 40 years from now. I still, I still haven't seen anybody grab onto that and, and hoping that, you know, with Bernie Sanders coming in, you know, back into the picture, maybe he can kind of rephrase some of what he's doing because he's got to get stomped. He's going to be called a socialist. He's going to be called a liberal green whack job or something like that. And you're not going to get anything done, and we'll be right back where we were, you know, four years ago. So I think we're we're at a pivotal moment here of more of understanding larger scale, longer term, and and maybe maybe retreading our tools a little bit. I don't know. I I don't either. Uh, I do know that there needs to be. We need to stop dithering. And, and get some things done, and, and part of it is that we just continue to dither, whether we're talking about the new Green Deal or 
or whatever else mm-hmm. is uh, is on the table at the moment or in, you know, the shiny bright object that's in front of people right now. But you you know, because you teach this stuff to your kids, Rick, what is at stake uh, and it's people's lives and their jobs, as you mentioned, every week on this show. And that's why we love having you here. Um, and, t- and, and I, don't, I don't mean to, I don't, I don't mean to toot my own horn, Mike and Pig, but these are kids from Loyola who, a year from now, eighty of them will be out in the real world making a difference outside of the climate initiative group. They will be in real, like real world, you know, business and political jobs. And those are the people I'm trying to connect. That maybe they'll have some sort of, you know, effective tentacle that goes out you know, into the playing field. So that's my goal there. So I'll okay. shut up and fill in. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's okay. We need to get to some uh, weather because we've got a couple of, Wisconsin- yeah. we got, you know, our Wisconsinites here, uh, Joey and Holly Barrett, oh. the Wisconsin vegetable gardener. And uh, they're, uh, they're looking at uh, the next few weeks. Not that, not that they're going to plant anything right now, but uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so but we're getting ready to plant. Yeah. So uh, what do you, now, what- now, we're, now we're about in Wisconsin. We're in the, the Milwaukee area. They're in the multi area. The Milwaukee. <laughs> Don't you bust my guests, Rick. They're <laughs> the Milwaukee. Oh, the Milwaukee area. Yes. Okay, I got it. The Milwaukee area. You know what? What one of the things that um, we're, we've been discussing in the meteorological community is whether or not the current pattern that we're in uh, is going to get us back into a very wet spring, which is what we had around here. If you remember last year, last year it was kind of odd. We had that. Um, very, very cold April. Uh, we had snow in the month of April, and then all of a sudden it flipped, and we were 8 degrees above normal in the month of May with 9 inches of rain, and then we had basically wet soil. Yeah. Um, in short, it looks like we may be going into that kind of a pattern, particularly if you look at what's been happening across mm-hmm. the south and southeast over the last, uh, literally the last three or four weeks. It's been phenomenal. Yeah, well, we were talking to Randall. He almost went chasing a tornado in uh, Alabama, or was it Mississippi? Uh, maybe both. Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah, northern, yeah, northern, northern Mississippi. They're close to that. They're close together. Yeah. Yeah. So, so bottom line, and I know we got to get to a forecast, but this has been a very, very active pattern, uh, very, very uh, wet pattern, very snowy pattern out to the west. We're going to see a little bit of snow probably late tomorrow night into Tuesday, maybe an inch or two, maybe another little shot Tuesday night into Wednesday, but all signs are on this massive. Uh, mid-latitude cyclone that's going to come here on Friday with maybe 6 to 10 inches of snow and then very, very cold air on the backside. We could be looking at temperatures maybe below zero for Saturday and Sunday of next week. So as we say hello to March, we're going to literally enter February. Wow, that's not supposed to happen in March. Okay. No, it's not, but you know the kind of marches around here. They're all over the place. That's true. All right, thanks, Rick. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Thanks to Steve Horn. Thanks to Joey and Holly Baird, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. Go to the WisconsinVegetableGardener.com. Until next time, go green or go, go home. home. Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.